Andrew Lejeune here with your Asian Racing Review. Coming off a huge uh, weekend and heading into another fantastic uh, 7 to 10 days of racing as well. We'll touch on Japan. We'll be in Hong Kong. And we'll talk about America as well. We'll start off, though, as I welcome in Michael Cox, editor of the Asian Racing Report, with two of those subjects combined. Michael, that's a Hong Kong horse romantic warrior in Australia for a brilliant win in the Cox Plate. What a race. Yeah, Andrew, great to be here. And it was great to be there at Muni Valley for what was a historic moment in Hong Kong horse racing, romantic warrior. Well, it, he is brilliant, but maybe some of the words, that, that's most commonly the word we've used to describe him. But I think the word I'd use to describe this win was tough. It was a, a very narrow victory. He's blown his rivals away before when he's won. He's lost a few close ones in the last year. He went into that race with a lot of doubts about the preparation. Danny Shum saying the horse was only 90 to 95% fit. And if you're here last week, I called the uh, preparation poorly prepared. I said the horse was underdone. I've been very critical of Danny Shum and his preparation of this horse and how wrong I was. It's nice to admit when you're wrong. I was wrong about every single prediction I made last week. So I'm going to steer clear of predictions this week. I'm going to take a week off that. But what a win. I mean, it was just thrilling to be there and see the reaction of the, the owner, Peter Lau, the trainer, Danny Shum, James McDonald who's really endeared himself to the, the Hong Kong owners with his fly-in, fly-out visits, but he's repaid the faith in the plan that he hatched with the owner and trainer. Trainer executed the plan. And, look, whatever we say about the preparation and the horse's fitness and how we got there and the disappointing runners odds-on favourite in the Turnbull Stakes, when they look back in the record books, they'll see Romantic Warrior won the 2023 Cox Plate. Yeah, I am going to ask you for prediction later on, so stand by uh, for that. But um, tell me about uh, Peter Lau then. Um, incredible moment for him, I'm sure. What was he thinking um, now in terms of uh, where the horse, where Romantic Glory goes next, back to Hong Kong, assuming? So I was lucky enough to spend a few moments with Peter and, and uh, the connections after the race at Mooney Valley. I think they're leaning towards a start in Japan, either one of uh, a couple of options in Japan, uh, Probably the Yusuda Kinnan back at a mile, though, late in the season. It's a very popular target for Hong Kong horses. It comes after the, the domestic schedule's done and out of the way, and that becomes the challenge now for Romantic Warrior. They weren't getting too far ahead of themselves, but that was the race that, that came up as the most probable target late in the season, the, the mile race at Tokyo in June. Uh, but before then, the challenge now is for uh, Romantic Warrior to go back and defend his crown in the Hong Kong Cup in December, on December 10. Now, it's a, a challenge, but the reason Romantic Warrior stayed in quarantine for the entire stay in Australia so he could get back to, to Hong Kong and back into his own stable sooner and be prepared for that race, and that's when we'll really find out. I think it's an important race when, when uh, Romantic Warrior does go back to Hong Kong because this probably ranks as the... It's one of the greatest ever wins by a Hong Kong horse on foreign shores. And if you go back to the, the other race that had victory that would be vying for it would be uh, Vengeance of Rain in the Shima Classic back in 2007, I think. And after that, Vengeance of Rain came back. He was beaten in the Champions and Chater Cup. He, the, the narrative was that he wasn't the same, that the, tr that the win and the trip had taken – uh, something away from his form when he returned. Now, it's going to be a big watch on Romani Warrior. We hope that this win provides a catalyst for more Hong Kong horses to go and travel, which we've seen a lot in the past. But if he comes back and and 
looks a tired horse in the Hong Kong Cup, that could affect the way uh, Hong Kong owners, other Hong Kong owners and trainers perceive a, a, a trip, especially to Australia, which is so tough. Um, the amount of time in quarantine, training out of Werribee, uh, lots of scans and veterinary procedures to go through. So, look, let's hope for the best for Romantic Warrior to come back on, perform well through the domestic season on all the group ones there, and then onwards and upwards to Japan. You think he'd be going overseas again after that great performance. Well, that's certainly something to look forward to. You mentioned about great performances from Hong Kong horses overseas. Of course, that's not the first time Danny Shum's been involved in uh, one of those um, either. Little Bridge, um, cast your mind back to that great win in the Kingston Stakes. Yeah, and of course, he worked with the great trainer Ivan Allen before that and was uh, a travelling foreman for uh, Fairy King Prawn, who won the Yusuda Kinnan, and also Indigenous, who was second in, in Japan. And, uh, you know, Danny Shum, he's, you know, he's not a, maybe he's not a top three or a premiership sort of uh, fighting up there at the top of the table, but as a contender, but he certainly is uh, shown that spirit of adventure and, and look, he's naming the record books now. And I think it'll be a hugely influential win looking forward. Yeah, well done to all concerned with the romantic war. Of course, they had talked um, at the back end of last season about possibly going to Japan around this time to take on the mighty Equinox. Um, people were saying that it wouldn't necessarily be a walkover for him in the Tenno show. Awesome on the weekend with Dojuza horses beat him in the past, lining up again. But again, what a performance from him, stopping the clock, although there's a little bit of, um, say, controversy, but a discussion around what the time actually was. But the official time in Japan, 155.2 for 2,000 metres. Well, I mean, let's just put that out of the way first, comparing turf times from different countries and different surfaces is bad enough but when you factor in the different starting procedures of rules and the, it's a it's it's not a, a big running start but the, the way races are timed all around the world is completely different so trying to just compare them is apples and oranges but then even on different days on the same race course you know i mean just have a look in any race book when you go to the races uh and look through the track records, you don't necessarily see a list of all-time greats. You see a list of days when the track was red hot or there was hard tempo. And that's what we saw a bit of on on Sunday. Uh, Jack Dior just carving out just unrelenting sectionals in front. Um, I think four of the runners at, at least broke the old track record. Um, they were flying. You, know, you get a real pull through. But that doesn't diminish the dominance of this win because he – Jack Dior might have been out there in front trying to steal a break and look, I don't know if they talk about jockeys having a, a clock in their head. I don't know. Maybe maybe he had a digital one. I don't know if it was it was ticking. It wasn't ticking. It was going far too quick in front. Um, but really, Equinox controlled the race. All eyes were on him. It was a small field. He Lemaire jumped him out aggressively. He took matters into his own hands. I, I think if you look at the the helmet cam footage of Lemaire, um, he really had that intent that if he had to lead, he would, like he did in Dubai in the Shaman Classic. He just wanted to take any sort of luck, tempo out of the equation. He knows he can lead. He knows he can run sectionals that just take the other horses into deep, deep water and, and just blow them away. You know, talking to some of the jockeys from the, the beaten runners in the Shima Classic from his uh, previous run in Dubai that were back in the field, in the middle stages they felt like there's something – wrong but my horse isn't traveling there's something wrong where with a thousand to go it's the way equinox takes races away from horses just incrementally through the middle sections but then you look at him on the turn just cantering it's just a an awesome sight a horse that's just a beautiful mover 
lovely long stride and we haven't seen the last of him yet. He'll go to the Japan Cup and uh, where he'll likely face Liberty Island, which is one of the all-time great clashes. Uh, and then maybe onto the Arima Kinnon, which will probably be the horse's final run. But let's see, he's four. Let's hope not, but I, I would say that he's an incredibly valuable stud proposition at this point already, and we're lucky to see him even for two more runs. I'm fascinated to see what happens with Liberty Island. On paper, she can't get near him, but it's just the, the unknown of what she's done so far. And we'll talk about that as we get closer, of course. But in behind Equinox, he's not going to Hong Kong, but could some of the, uh, the horses that uh, chased him home, could they make a, an international trip in December? Yeah, if you look behind him there, it's uh, Justin Pallas moving home well. His best form is over 3,000, 3,200 metres. I mean, he's looks – look, none of these horses in behind him, I don't think we'll ever want to see him again. So they'll be looking for overseas targets. I think they'll be keen for a trip to uh, – their connections will be keen for a trip to Sha Tin at the end of the year where they might find like just a – well, they won't find Equinox, let's put it that way. They might see Liberty Island, who was amongst the entries for Hong Kong, by the way, and that would be a – a wonderful proposition for the fans there. But that's Justin Palace running on for second. Um, one for the Vars. Prognosis, he was already second in the QE2 behind Romantic Warrior uh, at, at Sha Tin. So I think he's a likely for the Cup. And then Daniel Beluga, he's also entered for the, the Cup. He was fourth um, there for Joe Marrera. You know, a bit of a closer there. Uh, Travelled. Look, I think that they're going into a much easier task than that, what faced them there on Sunday at Tokyo. All right, moving to Hong Kong, uh, Michael. Unfortunately, some sad news to pass on as well. Not everyone would have known Howard Liang, but surely have known his horse who followed the Hong Kong race in any shape or form, carrying the uh, the California uh, prefix. Um, he sadly passed away. Yeah, and in a week that Romantic Warrior and his owner, Peter Lau, showed what sort of Hong Kong spirit of traveling and want to be a sportsman and take on the best. Howard Liang was was certainly of that ilk. He took California memory to different targets around the world. He wasn't successful there, but he, he did it in the right way, Howard Liang. He was only 68, raced more than 30 horses in Hong Kong and, and, and a lot of horses in Australia as well. You know, I, I think um, he took over from his, from his father and he probably lifted um, his legacy even more, the family legacy, and, and just – Bought lovely horses, uh, especially in Australia through his um, bloodstock agent here, Marie Yoshida, a good friend of mine, and, and my thoughts go out to her and everyone who knew Howard because he was a very kind person. And I spoke to Tony Cruz in the week, who was the trainer of Howard's best-known horse, California Memory, the little grey horse that was just a, such a trier and a, a real crowd favourite. How could he not be? He looked like he was 14 hands, looked like a, a little, quiet little pony walking around, and then the the bell would go for the for the jockeys to be legged aboard and he'd have two handlers on him just rocking back and forward like a prize fighter. He was just such a, a great horse but a, a great owner with those distinctive red and yellow colours and most recently with California Spangle. And Tony Cruz just, you know, uh, as, a, as a trainer, he supported Tony a lot. He trained uh, California Memory, of course, and California Spangle, called Howard a, a true gentleman in all spec aspects of the word, um, dedicated, steadfast, sincere, friendly. And what he said, he became much more than an owner. He was, a, he was a friend and a great supporter of local trainers and jockeys as well. Matthew Chadwick, best known as the, his connection with California memory, also had some kind words to say, but he'll be, he'll be dearly missed. But California Spangle out there with those red and yellow colours, 
be an emotional moment if he can win again in the Hong Kong Mile in December. Certainly will be, yeah. Condolences to his family there of uh, Howard Liang. Um, Golden Eagle is uh, next for us, uh, Michael. Of course, that's uh, coming up Rose Hill on Saturday, and we were hoping to see Yutaka Take in town, but that's not going to be the case anymore. Yeah, freak accident at Tokyo early on in the Tenno show on the undercard as he went to unsaddle a horse, was uh, cow-kicked, I think the term is. He's uh, very... Um, horse lashing out as he took the saddle off. And you can see the obvious concern from those around as the legend sort of uh, reeled away with a with a leg injury. News now is that uh, Josh Parr has been booked to ride the NHK Mile Cup place getter. Uh, that's a big pickup for Josh Parr. He's, his name's not mentioned as much through uh, the, you know, when we talk about the great jockeys in, in Sydney, it's a crowded room when it comes to superstars, but he's a hardworking and talented jockey. He's won group ones before. He's also represented by former Hong Kong-based jockey Tai Angland, who's taken up jockey management, who, who was to uh, represent Take if he was to come to Australia. So that link there and um, has landed Josh Parr a pretty plum ride. It's a tough race, but, yeah, what a, what a pickup for Josh Parr. There is Golden Eagle on Saturday. Also this weekend in the US, the Breeders' Cup meeting on. And uh, Japan sending a strong team. They've got nine horses engaged over the weekend. Now, yourself and Dave Morgan, that be the focus of uh, this week's Asian Racing Report podcast. You'll be previewing uh, the meeting. They said you were taking a break from making predictions, but uh, maybe you can just give us one as far as the Japanese horses are concerned. Uh, who do you think is the best going forward uh, into the weekend? I can do that. I say most likely winner. I'm not going to say whether it wins or not. I'm steering right clear of the preparation. I don't know anything. I'm not there. At, I was there at Santa Anita nine years ago for the, the Breeders' Cup. It's a wonderful event. Um, if you're there, enjoy it all and the, the beautiful weather there in California. But, look, I think Songline in the Breeders' Cup mile is the most likely winner for Japan. She's a proven traveller, uh, one in Saudi Arabia. Um, season's come back, three-time group, uh, group one winner in Japan, two-time Yasuda Kinnan winner, that sort of form when you look at winners of this race in the past really stacks up. Like Japanese milers, it's not where you look for the superstars necessarily all the time. It's a competitive bunch, though. Uh, I like that she's travelled before, and I think Songline most likely winner out of the Japanese contingent in Los Angeles. All right, there you go. That's the podcast uh, this week. Of course, not forgetting it's the first Tuesday in November next week as well, which is the Melbourne Cup. The Europeans all in town. The Japanese run as well in uh, breakup. We don't have the final makeup of the field just yet. That will be uh, won't happen until racing closes uh, on Saturday. The final horse is trying to qualify there, but uh, Tuesday uh, next week, obviously the big one here in Australia. Right, coming to a fair bit of ground there, Michael. Uh, anything else to look out for on the website? Yeah, plenty of news coming up. As I said, as you mentioned, the uh, Breeders' Cup preview podcast, a uh, little bit of news looking forward and and, and reviewing the uh, weekend, but really massive week of racing coming up. So we're just readying ourselves for that. Breeders' Cup, Derby Day, Golden Eagle. It's a smorgasbord of racing action, so enjoy it all. Great stuff. Thanks, as always. And keep following us, of course, on all the major social channels and tuning in for more from Asian Racing Review. 